Here we go, Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Happy New Year, happy 2024. Yeah, it's been a little while since I've uh, graced the airwaves here on the podcast, so I, I'm thrilled that you've stuck with me over these last couple months. Um, I've seen a lot of new listeners come through in Europe, especially in Asia, so I'm really thrilled that you've found this show and gone back into the catalog of episodes. You know, I'm doing doing generally really well. And I think, you know, as as the as the year of 2023 came to a close, um, I've been really spending a lot of time on music and and putting the final putting the final pieces together on about eight new songs that I've finished. And I have about seven to ten others that I am sort of in various stages of production with. And I just put out a new song a couple days ago, this last Friday. So I will end today's show by playing that song. It's a song I'm really, really excited about and proud of. And, you know, I want to talk about the emotional landscape that I'm in, you know, the, the sort of moments or feelings of joy that I feel, but also confusion and sort of, you know, I, I do feel a little bit of sadness and a little, I feel a little emotionally depleted, you know, releasing art into this world where it does certainly feel like it takes a huge amount of effort or luck or timing to get anybody's attention. And I'm reading a fan or I read a fantastic book by Elizabeth Gilbert. It was recommended by a friend. It's called Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear. And it's really a great reminder about why we create, why we why we write or make music or write books and and it's the the line is very slippery and blurry these days because you know i i think it's it's okay and it's a good thing to want to get paid for your art to want people to listen or read your book um but i think it's really easy to get discouraged and i think it's really easy to lose focus um and sort of forget, at least for me, why, why we create in the first place. And sometimes it's, it's sort of indescribable. I think for me, as I've gotten older, um, I just, I feel safe. I feel best. I feel most alive. I feel most connected to an indescribable place in my body or my soul that makes me feel the most alive. And that's when I am expressing myself, letting my feelings be heard. I think we all as humans want to feel as though people may not understand us fully, but at least we want to know, like, we want to feel as though people are listening and, and empathize with maybe some hardships that we're going through or they're supportive to what we're enduring. I could be this sort of idea of feeling adventure. There's there's adventure in creativity. You know, putting yourself out there, being vulnerable, that's an adventurous task. 
It's not easy. Um, I think we're sort of, in this culture of social media and technology, we're sort of losing uh, a connection with how much courage it takes to put yourself out there, to, you know, spend six months to three years working on a project and eventually putting it out there into this world, especially now where it feels like, God, what does it take to get anybody to care? And I guess, you know, I hear stories and anecdotes and I speak to some friends where they'll say, you know, the long form podcast is growing. It certainly feels like movies are back. I'm going to record another podcast about movies, but it does feel like you know, people are willing to sit down and go to the theater and, and spend two and a half hours and watch a movie. Um, so I guess, I guess we can't think about the audience. And it's hard because, and I've, I've podcasted about this before, you know, YouTube will have that running tabulation of numbers of people that have watched your music video. Spotify will give you all the notifications of, of how many people have listened to your song, and Instagram will show to you how many people have watched your reel or watched your video. Um, and boy, it's easy to get encouraged or discouraged by those numbers of, of how many have listened or how many have viewed your video or, or listened to your song. Um, there's another great book that I'm not going to read from today, but there's a great book called Yellow Face by Rebecca Kwong, and it's about the, the unraveling uh, that can happen in the publishing world. And it's, it's this story of two authors and one author, I'm not revealing anything, it, it, this all happens in the first chapter, but she ends up stealing the other author's idea. Um, and sort of the, the, the thread unspools, of course, as, as the story is told throughout this book. And what's so brilliant about it and why I connected with it is that it really, the writer, uh, Rebecca, does a fantastic job of describing the confusing world that an artist has to go through now living in this world of technology. It's, it's really confusing. And... You know, I read stories of all these bands where they isolated themselves from the outside world, and Rick Rubin really talks a lot about this, not being influenced by the listener, by the audience, and just sort of living in this cocoon for six months to a year to two years to pursue your art, to get better at your craft. And that's kind of what I did the last year. I just spent the last year working on a bunch of songs. And now I have eight or nine that are done, and I'm going to release one every other month for 2024, probably into 2025, eventually releasing a record. But it is a bit of a mental mind fuck because as I'm releasing these songs, I'm still working on others. And then I'm seeing you know, the, the um, response on social media, and it's sort of, it's like this tug of war that's happening with my brain. And it's, it's overwhelming and it's confusing and it, it's an unusual place to create. Normally in the past, I, you know, finish 10 songs, I'll release a couple singles, but then maybe three months later, the record is done. I'll push the record, play some shows. And then in six months, that's sort of it. And then I'll kind of take maybe six months off to sort of recalibrate my creative brain. 
and then I'll go back to creating again. But now it's sort of like you're creating while releasing music. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm writing some poetry now. You're sort of doing it all at the same time, or at least I'm doing a lot of it all at the same time. And it feels like that's kind of how it has to be now. It feels like an artist has to do a little bit of everything. And again, I'm not saying that's better. I'm not saying it's worse. Um, I just think it takes a lot of awareness to know when your brain is starting to feel fried and you just need to turn off the phone and you know not care about what people think, um, not care about the numbers, and turn everything off and connect with what feels good creatively. And it's, it's complicated. It's really challenging. I, I struggle with it every day. You know, with these songs, um, I really leaned heavily on my influences um, from the grunge era of the 90s to just rock and roll. I bought an acoustic guitar about 18 months ago um, with no intention of thinking that this guitar would inspire a new way of writing songs. But it really brought me back to a sort of more organic, um, natural way of songwriting, where it was just me strumming these songs on the guitar, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, get in and out as quickly as possible. I was listening to a lot of Ryan Adams and War on Drugs and Pearl Jam, and I was just trying to make the songs a little bit more simple. Um, and I'm really enjoying it. I think I was pretty successful. And I, I'm still in that world. I, I'm still working with Jake Reed on drums, Dan Lutz, and Sean Hurley on bass, Brett Farkas on guitars, Phil Peterson is, is doing a lot of the strings on some of these songs. And it's been this incredibly joyful experience. I want these songs to be heard. I want them to be on te uh, television shows. I'm pitching them to music supervisors. It certainly would feel good to make some money from these songs. It certainly would feel good to get these songs placed in movies and television shows and get them heard by, you know, millions of people. Because um, I'm really proud of them. And I think there's two ways to create. There's two ways to create where you're only creating with no intention of putting it out into the world because it's this very... Um, sensitive, personal experience where you're trying to maybe make sense of the world. But then there's maybe this part of you that not only wants to create for your own cathartic experience, but maybe you want other people to connect with what you're feeling. And I think there's a lot of artists out there that obviously experience art the same, that, that exact way, where you're creating, but then you're also hoping that it strikes a chord with a audience, with an audience. It's interesting to finish a song and get see the metrics immediately. Or I'll tell you know, I'll I'll know if you know 400 people listen to it today, or tomorrow might be 50 people, the next day might be 800 people. It's um, or I'll, I'll get you know, five likes one day on YouTube, or I'll get a few comments and the next day, nothing. It's like, you can, you can see all of that information. And I don't know if that's really helpful. It's like, put the music out and then you can't care. You just have to go back to making more music.
You know, and then I'll, I'll get a message from a friend of mine who will say, this is the best song that I've heard from you. And then I'll get a text from a friend. And after listening to the song, they'll, they'll send me an emoji that is simply a thumbs up. And it's like, what, what, what does that mean? What, what We have, you know, it's interesting to sort of live in the world of art over the years um, where we used to, at least for me, I used to immerse myself in, in art um, and, and immerse myself in, oh, into OK Computer and Sea Change. And I know those people are still out there. I have a friend from high school who's like, dude, when are you going to put out the full record? And I'm like, probably not till, <laughs> not till 2025. And he's like, well, I listen to full records. And yeah, I do too. And I know people out there that do. But the vast majority of people don't anymore. And, you know, I struggle with that. It's sort of like, where, where do I draw the line? What is the best way to release music these days? And I've struggled with it, but it really does feel like the best way for me is to release them one at a time. That way I can spend a lot of time on videos and promo and press and trying to get these songs placed. And the reality is that all takes a lot of time. So in the strange sort of way, I do feel a little bit less pressure knowing that I already have eight songs that are completely done. So I release a song every other month. That means I've got basically 16 months worth of music that I can put out. So people hopefully won't forget me because I'll be bothering them over the next 16 months with new music. And I still have like, you know, six to 10 other songs that I'm hoping to be, have, hope to hopefully have finished by the end of this year. So maybe that means I have up to you know two and a half years worth of music. It's uh, just a completely different way now to release music this way and release art. This book that I'm reading, or read rather, but I, I think I could reread it like 10 times. It's, it's called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She also wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And I'll read a little bit here from uh, the chapter called Success. I always knew that I might not get what I wished for, that I might never become a published writer. Not everybody makes it to a place of comfortable success in the arts. Most people don't. And while I've always believed in magical thinking, I wasn't a child either. I knew that wishing would not make it so. Talent might not make it so either. Dedication might not make it so. Even amazing professional contacts which I didn't have in any case, might not make it so. Creative living is stranger than other more worldly pursuits. The usual rules do not apply. In normal life, if you're good at something and you work hard, you will likely succeed. In creative endeavors, maybe not. Or maybe you will succeed for a spell and then never succeed again. You might be offered rewards on a silver platter even as a rug is being simultaneously pulled out from under you. You might be adored for a while, then go out of fashion. The patron goddess of creative success can sometimes seem like a rich, capricious old lady who lives in a giant mansion on a distant hill. She sometimes rewards charlatans and ignores the gifted. She cuts people out of her will who loyally served her, she is never obliged to explain herself to us. In short, the goddess of creative success may show up for you or she may not. 
probably best then if you don't count on her or attach your definition of personal happiness to her whims. Maybe better to reconsider your definition of success, period. I decided early on to focus on my devotion to the work above all. That would be how I measured my worth. I knew that conventional success would depend on three factors, talent, luck, and discipline. And I knew that two of those three would never be under my control. Mind you, hard work guarantees nothing in realms of creativity. This is the best part. I, I'm, I'm almost moved to tears here because I relate to this so much. Last section or last paragraph. I have a friend, an aspiring musician, whose sister said to her one day, quite reasonably, what happens if you never get anything out of this? What happens if you pursue your passion forever, but success never comes? How will you feel then, having wasted your entire life for nothing? My friend replied, if you can't see what I'm already getting out of this, then I'll never be able to explain it to you. When it's for love, you will always do it anyhow. And again, this book is called Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And I guess that's, that's the point. You know, we pursue our craft, our art. We sing, we write because we love it. We love it with all of our hearts. And it's this personal space in our soul, from our heart, that we create from. And look, it's up to you whether you want to share that piece with anybody. But you, if you do, then of course you're filled with joy and encouragement if one or ten people like what you wrote or sung or did. And of course, you're going to be disappointed if nobody gives you any recognition whatsoever. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's coming from a place of love, and it's coming from that place in your heart. That's where we're creating from. And it's a very vulnerable, personal space to um, communicate and live from. And I think, you know, living in this world now where it's so easy to finish something and throw it up on social media or throw it up on Spotify or throw it up on YouTube, and then that opens up Pandora's box where, you know, you can also see how many people are watching it, how many people are listening. And we have no idea emotionally how they're feeling about your piece of work, all we're seeing is that number. And if that number isn't rising exponentially every day, then we start to think, oh, maybe people aren't connecting with it. And it's a very dangerous place to live from because we're creating that piece of work came from our own heart, our own love, our own passion. So again, I, I don't have the answers, but this book is, has been a huge help and a huge reminder and sure, we can dream of being on that stage and singing in front of 20,000 people. We can dream of having a song be the theme song for, you know, White Lotus. Um, and that's, that's okay. That's healthy. 
Yeah, I, I, I think I love Shawshank Redemption so much because those scenes at the end with Tim Robbins, you know, hope is a good thing. Hope, desire, makes us makes life exciting every day. But I think it's really we have to be careful to know where to draw the line with our own creative pursuits. I love to play the piano. I love to sing. I love to play guitar. I love the collaborative process. Um, the process has been, this last year has been full of joy from traveling to writing these songs, producing them and having these, these great experiences with fellow artists. Dan Lutz, bass player, I uh, came over to my studio. We've, we've, we've created remotely, but it's been so much fun to see him again. Jake Reed is just this amazing drummer who has just taken off over the last couple of years. Brett Farkas, I met him a few years ago, and we reconnected on this record. And every time I come to his studio, we, we talk first and have these great, full conversations. And Kevin Penner, who mixed and mastered this song, he now lives in Hawaii, but I used to see him out in the valley out here. And now we do these Zoom calls and mix the record together. And it's just joy. It's pure and utter joy. So... I'm thrilled to play this song for you. I'll end today's song, or I'll end today's show by playing this song. It just came out on iTunes and Spotify. It's on YouTube. You can watch the video there. I'm getting some amazing feedback, and of course that makes me feel good. But I, 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 I feel like this song, uh, it's sort of like 90s rock, but I was a huge NXS fan. I loved how NXS had synth in their songs, and they wrote great pop songs. So I think In Excess is a bit of an influence as well. You too. I hope you enjoy it. Definitely, if, if you maybe share it with friends, add it to a playlist on Spotify, that would be incredible. Um, but it's just great to be back. It's great to be back with this show. I have some ideas uh, for some future episodes. Um, but for now, again, Thanks so much for listening. Here's my latest song, Who or What I Was Before, is the title. I hope you enjoy it. As always, thanks so much for listening, supporting, being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast.
again.